It's the Locked On Aggies Podcast, presented by Locked On Podcast Network, talking all things Texas A&M. Now, here's your host, Cole Thompson. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson, back in the driver's seat, talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, happy Halloween. I don't know about you, and you might be one of the weird adults. Yeah, I'm calling you out. You're one of the weird adults who says, oh, Halloween's only for kids. Well, you know what? They're for kids of all ages, kids of young, kids of old, kids at heart. I love Halloween. It is my favorite holiday of the year. Unfortunately, this year, it's a little cold out, and it comes on a Thursday, so I will not be doing anything for Halloween for the first time in a while, except sitting on my couch, probably watching Beetlejuice and maybe... Just maybe having a cheat day and eating Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Today's show in honor of Halloween, the greatest holiday of the year in my personal opinion, we're going to be talking about kids. That's the point of the show. No, not your kids and what they're going to dress up as for Halloween. Although, if you would love to send us pictures, make sure you go to Locked on Aggies, at Locked on Aggies. Go to at Mr. Cole Thompson, or you can go to Aggies SI, part of the Aggie Maven Sports Illustrated Network, and send us pictures of what your kids are dressing up as Halloween, especially if one of them is dressed up as a Johnny Manziel in a Scooby-Doo outfit. You know, you have them dressed up as future Aggies. Whatever you want to do, just send those those way to those media platforms. We would love to see them. We'll share them. We will definitely post them out. But kids, to me, meaning the freshmen of Texas A&M. Because this week, Texas A&M will remain at home just before their bye week to take on the UTSA Roadrunners. This is a game where we want to see A&M come out and dominate and have that quality game against an opponent who is a weaker weaker link overall. When you're a 36.5 favorite to win, even if you don't cover that spread, you're still expected to win. I think that's kind of a given. You're expected to win that game. But the real point of the game, in my opinion is to see the future of the organization. Because Kellen Mond is not going to be there forever. Jamon Osmond and Courtney Davis are not going to be catching balls in two years from now at least. Maybe after this year they may not be it. They may be going to the NFL. You're not going to be able to see Jared Hawker or Carson Green making those plays on the trenches. Justin Matabuki is not going to be there that much longer. He could be a guy that easily declares for the draft. He could be a high draft pick the way he's played this year. So it's all about the youth movement. And with it being Halloween, a a holiday designated for kids, why don't we talk about the youth movement? Because I expect by the middle of the third quarter, we're seeing those guys come in. Those guys are the ones that are going to be making the plays. Those are the guys that we're going to be seeing probably getting majority of the snaps. And those are the guys who we're going to be able to go, okay, here's what we like about them this far. Here's what we don't like about them this far and what they need to improve on moving forward. Saturday should have a pretty similar feel of what was Texas State and Lamar games, where Texas State came in to open up the season. A&M got the 41-7 victory over the Bobcats. Two weeks later, after losing at Clemson, they bounce back. They get the 62-3 victory over the Cardinals. But a lot of it was in the second half, we saw a lot of the younger players play. So let's start off with the big name stars first because of those are guys that we know we're going to see play predominantly in the first half, maybe a few drives with that second team offense when they come out. And those are going to be guys like Isaiah Spiller and Jalen Weidemeyer. The real story with Spiller began 
that opening weekend against Texas State. He only rushed for seven carries, but he had 106 total yards, and he had a long run of 85. And if not for a Bobcat defender literally stopping him at the lot right before the end zone, that would have been probably a 91-yard touchdown run. And ever since then, everyone was sitting there saying, okay, we know what this kid can do. We know what this kid's ability is, and we know that he has the talent to be that elite runner. And in games like, I guess, Lamar and and Texas State, he's looked dominant. He really has. Seven carries for 106 yards. He averaged 15.1 yards per rush during that game. Against Lamar, 14 carries for 116 yards, two total touchdowns on the ground that day. He averaged 8.3 yards per carry. It's been against teams with power five rankings behind them where he struggled. I mean, before... The last two weeks when they played against Mississippi State and Ole Miss, he had 60 yards on 30 carries, and he had two fumbles. You don't want to see that from a guy that you expect to be your lead back in the future, and a guy who had to come in and be your lead back right now. So with him, I want to see him have a good breakout game early against that first-team defense, because UTSA is a very young defense. Three of their key players are freshmen. In the secondary, they have two a cornerback and a safety, both freshmen, and their deep and their middle linebacker is also a, I think, redshirt freshman, if I'm not mistaken. So those guys are still pretty young, but they're starting because of they're the most enhanced in the program and they're gonna be the future of the program. So if he can get a big run early, set the tone, get a score, break free, have an opportunity to run downfield. Maybe you see him come out with that second-team offense for a couple drives just to see what he's going to be able to do. Boost his confidence, let him make some plays in the open field, allow him to kind of gain back that momentum that he had. Because if you're going to want that guy, that guy who is your lead back, although a freshman, to continue to make those plays against SEC opponents like South Carolina, Georgia, and LSU to close out the season, So I want to see what he can do early, but I also want to see what him and the future quarterback of the program are going to be able to do together. Because in the end, that's what this is all about, is those two working together either next year or a year from now or two years from now, seeing what they're going to be able to do to lead this Aggies team after what was told to be a promising recruiting class. Next up, we got Jalen Weidemeyer, who's kind of been the hide to Spiller's Jekyll or I guess the the Jekyll to Spiller's Hyde in Power 5 games. The Dickinson tight end has been nothing short of impressive against top-ranked opponents like Alabama, like Auburn, like Clemson. He's been a factor in the game. And right now, he is currently leading all freshman tight ends in touchdowns with 5, and I believe also in yards after catch with 15.7. I think he's second in total receiving yards with 235. His numbers aren't impressive when you look at, wow, this guy's destroying it. He's just right place, right time kind of guy. He only has 15 catches on the year. Uh, In games against Lamar and Texas State, he only had one catch in both of them. In Texas State, it was a nine-yard catch late in the fourth quarter. And then against Lamar, it was, I believe, right before the start of the fourth quarter, 25-yard touchdown catch uh, from Zach Calzada. That was only playing. But then since then... He's also made a name for himself along the way. He had a 50-yard, 51-yard touchdown catch this past week against Mississippi State. Only two receptions on the day. That and then another, I think it was an 8-yarder, 63 total yards on the day. 
uh, against Mississippi State. He led the team in reception yards, 67. Alabama, he only had three catches. One was a short gain. The other two, touchdowns. An 18-yard and a 25-yard touchdown catch. Against Auburn, same kind of story. Three catches, 20 yards. Kind of been just a productive guy. I want to see what he does with Calzada again because of right now, the biggest storyline is Baylor Cup, when he returns, is expected to be a massive contributor. He was expected to be the starting tight end this year. He gets hurt. Now, Weidemeyer gets a step up. Jimbo Fisher's going to have a chance to run a double tight formation, which is really hard to do at the collegiate level because you want to be all spread out. But with two tight ends, you now have two safety blankets for Calzada or Kellen Mond next year that is going to benefit that offense, especially on a third down play where you just want to keep the ball rolling, keep moving it, you know, let the clock keep running. So I want to see what he does with Calzada, especially in the second half. I expect him to be that guy who maybe plays one or two drives because he's going to be very important for Mond to start the season. There's other guys that also are going to be contributors in this game. You have a wide receiver who's flash potential in big-time games, who's kind of disappeared in the past few weeks because of veteran talent. You have a safety on the back end who's been nothing short of a game factor for this Aggies defense for Mike Elko. And also, there's a few other guys who have flash potential, and we're going to talk about them in just a quick minute. Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson still here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M, getting you ready for the upcoming game as the Fighting Texas A&M Aggies host the UTSA Roadrunners, November 2nd, 11 o'clock kick. That game, if you're not going down to College Station at Kyle Field, which, you know, there's still tickets available, so if you want to go, you definitely should. But you can watch it on SEC Network. That is an 11 o'clock kick. This is going to be a game, as we're talking about, the youth movement. And with it being Halloween, I kind of want to go that festival way. I want to kind of go with that style. Because everyone says Halloween's meant for kids. Well, you know what? I'm a big kid at heart, and I love Halloween. So I don't care what anybody says. But these are the kids. At the end of the day, A&M has a ton of youthful talent on their roster that is going to be contributors for the long-term future. But we can start seeing what their future could look like with the progression of these players. One thing Coach Fisher talks about a lot is getting players ready and that next man up mentality. So what I think he means by that is for games like this, where we're going to play situational ball, what if Kellen Mond gets hurt? Is Zach Calzada going to be ready? What if Kendrick Rogers goes down with a broken ankle? Are we going to have a wide receiver ready to take his spot or move someone over to allow the younger product to be still a factor in the game? We already kind of saw a situational a situational section where Jay Sean Corbin went out against Clemson, and now Isaiah Spiller is the lead back in the backfield as a freshman. I mean, the Klein Collins product probably knew he was going to be a contributor because of they just lost Travion Williams. But for him to be a lead contributor, that's impressive. There's another guy who's been impressive, but we've only seen flashes of him this far. And that is Anias Smith, the wide receiver product. He's more so used in the punt return, kickoff return game, but he's shown his ability as a receiving threat to be one of those guys that can get open downfield and be that home run swing factor. A lot of guys talk about what happened when Jalen Waddle declined to go to AM. He decommitted. He ended up going to Alabama. And what he's been to that Alabama offense, 
I think Anaya Smith is a pretty dang close replacement for what you were going to expect from his production, especially as a freshman. You see, Smith is a guy that I would consider a flashy potential player. With what talent is already at the wide receiver position out in College Station, it's like fighting for reps to just get a scrap of it. Imagine being like part of, you know, a, a dog family and you're trying as a puppy and you're trying to go ahead and get some nutrition and your brothers and sisters are kind of pushing you away. That's what Anaya Smith is doing. He's pushing himself into the conversation, but he's not there yet. And that's not his fault. That's more so just says a lot more about the talent that is at the wide receiver position for Texas A&M. But when on the field, and he's only really had four games where he's been able to make an impact as a receiving option, he's made the most of it. And in the game against Lamar, he really broke out. Six catches for 66 yards. He had a 20-yard touchdown catch. Then the next week against Auburn, one catch, but it was a 15-yard touchdown catch. So we were able to see what he was able to do there. It was the Southwest Classic game against Arkansas, which is where I said out loud, Anaya Smith is going to be the guy who, in a few years from now, we're putting him in that maybe Mike Evans category of how high can this guy go in the NFL draft? He's a different type of player than Evans because he's not that big. He's 5'10", 193. You're maybe going to get him up to maybe 205 pounds, maybe 210 if you're lucky. But he's always going to be known for his speed, not his size. And it was against Arkansas when he made that 30-yard touchdown, uh, that 30-yard catch. It was amazing because he broke free of multiple defenders. He was on the sideline. Jukes the guy out, works upfield, gets about 15 yards, then jukes out another guy, sidesteps, guy misses the tackle completely, and he gets about another six yards before he's finally brought down right about near the midfield line. Those are things I look at, and I'm like, okay, in a game against UTSA, you could be a guy who breaks out, has a dominant performance, and shows Coach Fisher, especially moving into the later part of the season, I'm someone you want to play. Not only am I someone you're going to want to play, I'm someone you might need to play. Because one, there's very little tape on me, and what tape there is on me is against weaker opponents. So imagine what I can do against a strong opponent. I'm very excited to see what he can do. Coach Fisher has said multiple times in the past that he believes that Smith will start getting some playing time. He knows he needs to get him some playing time. And... This is a game where you can get Jamon Osmond or Courtney Davis, maybe three or four catches, maybe they get 50 yards or so, they get a touchdown, they're done. They're done for the day. Don't risk losing them to conference play because you want to run up the score. And you don't have to because if you have a guy like Anaya Smith coming in and making plays. So I very much think that this will be the game that I truly see him breaking out once again, expect a Lamar type game. Third quarter, he should be in, and he should be the one making those big time plays in the open field. Two other starters that have been playing a ton this season are Kenyon Green and Damani Richardson. Richardson's a guy who may not play at all. Uh, he got hurt last week, and I believe it was the start of the fourth quarter against Mississippi State. They sat him out. Coach Fisher said earlier this week that you know they're trying to get him back on the field. He's expected to practice. He could be a limited guy. 
the way he's produced this year, he's second on the team in tackles. He has an interception. He has a forced fumble. He has a couple pass breakups. He's over-exceeding expectations beyond belief for a true freshman. And you don't want to lose that guy going up against an offense like LSU late in the season. You don't want to lose that guy going up against a run game like Georgia late in the season. He is more important to this team than I think almost anyone else right now. I think on defense, maybe you have Matabike and you have Buddy Johnson because they're veteran leaders. But Richardson's that next guy right after them. Kenyon Green, kind of the same story. He's worked the entire season with the first team offense. Maybe you have him work a drive with the defense because maybe what you can do is you can try him at, at tackle. He was a multiplayer guy on the offensive line when he was an humble. So you could probably let him go a drive or two at left tackle, right tackle, see if maybe that's where he fits better. Or you can just sit him afterwards. Either way, those are two guys you don't have to worry about. But there are several other guys who have seen playing time, not a ton, but a little bit of playing time from this dominant recruiting class that have flash potential and could have a chance to really make an impact this upcoming week. And we're going to discuss them in just a quick minute. Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson still here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Hey guys, make sure that you're following us on social media at Aggies SI. Aggie made it a part of the Locked On Podcast Network and Sports Illustrated have combined together. Make sure you're following us at Locked On Aggies. You can also follow us on LockedOnPodcast.com and you can check out all of our great content at SI.com slash T-A-M-U. You can catch up on old episodes of Locked On Aggies. You can check out all of our great written content and our video content that's coming this upcoming week for the remainder of the season. All right. We already talked about the players who have made impacts this year consistently and guys who maybe could be contributors late in the game for this first, second team offense, second team defense. But there are guys also out there who could see their workout cut out for them both with the first and second team because of the way that they've played this season and the way injuries have come. One guy you always have to look out for is DeMarvin Leal. And this is going to be kind of like a homecoming game for him, even though it's in College Station, because if he's a San Antonio product, he grew up uh, right outside of San Antonio. He went to Converse Judson. He came to AM early. He was an early graduate, five-star defensive end, high expectations for him. But an ankle injury he suffered during spring ball kept him out for a majority of the, the summer. And he didn't really get everything back until fall camp. And it was late in fall camp. So he hasn't really been that factor until Michael Clemens got hurt. When Michael Clemens got hurt, he took his place against Ole Miss. And so far, since coming into this game, Leal has not disappointed with the early results. He has a total of 17 tackles. One tackle for loss, three quarterback pressures. He's consistently finding ways to beat offensive linemen up the middle. He's a mixture kind of guy. You can play him as a nine tech. You can play him as a five tech. You can move. You can shift him inside into a one gap style. I think of him as a guy that this is the game where I want to see both what he can do now and what he can do for the future. It's a confidence booster because until Michael Clemens comes back, Leal's going to be the guy who's starting and. When you have him come out and make these plays the way he's done, it's a confidence booster. And not only is it a confidence booster, 
it shows progress that you want to see from these players. Five-star recruits sometimes are highly overrated because of what they did in high school, but a guy like Leal is someone who you're banking on to be that key factor to your defense. And he's impressed in glimpses so far. I really want to see him impress moving forward. And this is a game where he can come out, he can make a couple big tackles, he can probably get his first career sack, and it'll help, especially even when Clemens comes back, for him to be able to go in as a rotational defensive lineman and continue to make plays in the open field. Two other guys who we've seen them play, but at the same time, we also really haven't seen them play. And that's going to be Brian Williams and last but not least, Zach Calzada. We've mentioned him a little bit, but we're going to really focus on him. Williams was a top 100 ranked safety coming into the draft class. He was a four-star player. He seemed like he was going to be maybe redshirted. Um... But then he really had to come step up because Keldrick Harper got hurt right before the Ole Miss game, and Williams was able to make his very first start. Now, though, he's on that verge of, is he going to play? Because if he plays one more, he can't use they can't use his redshirt anymore. They would have to medically redshirt him for a season if they want to get him back for another year because he's played in three games. He looked pretty decent in his first start. He didn't do anything that special. I don't think he recorded a, uh, a a play. I don't think he even recorded a tackle or a pass deflection. But he also didn't give up a touchdown. So when you have a guy like that kind of stepping up for a veteran, that's always big. And it's and it's improvement. But with Richardson being hurt and then maybe holding him out, this could be a reason why they play Williams this week. To see what is his potential what can he do, and if he's going to be that true top 100 type safety that everyone wants him to be. At the end of the day, you have to look at your future of the program, so if they decide to sit him this week, I think that they're going to redshirt him because he won't have lost his eligibility. But if they don't, it's probably because Richardson's hurt bad enough to where you don't want to risk it, and you want to see what this guy can do. I think a game like this could definitely help, especially the way the secondary has looked with so many consistent injuries. You want as many guys out there that you can rotate in, and you want as many guys who have experience out there, especially for the final three games of the season, because you don't want to drop one of those games because if you were too worried about keeping a redshirt guy or too worried about a guy not being able to make a play because if he's just not fast enough or he doesn't know the playbook. A game like UTSA is a game where he can learn the playbook really fast and probably make some big plays. Last but not least, the biggest name of the game that we're all going to be looking forward to is Zach Calzada. Because at the end of the day, it all starts and ends at the quarterback position. We can all sit here and say, all right, Kellen Mond, yep, he's done a great job. We're very excited for him. You know, he's he's kept the team afloat. He could leave at the end of the year. He could declare for the draft if he wants to and then leave the keys to College Station in Calzada's hands. We've seen him play very marginally this season. The Georgia native only has gone 8 for 17 in passing, 106 yards, did throw two touchdowns against Lamar. So this was a, would be a game where you're hoping to see him take that next step. But you also don't want to burn his redshirt as well, because what if, for some reason, Mon comes back? 
well, now you got a guy who's going to be a junior by the time he starts, and you're not going to be able to keep him. So he's a guy who I would love to see come out and play, especially because of if he plays in this game, they still could redshirt him for the remainder of the season after this game. So this could be like a test run, I guess, style. Let's see what we got. Let's see if he can if he's improved since week three. And let's see what we need to work on his mechanics. This is a win-win for both parties. You get to see the future of the program, possibly coming in and taking over. And you also probably get to keep his red shirt. Because I don't see a chance where Mon's not playing against South Carolina, LSU, or uh, Georgia to end the season. One more guy to look out for, Andre White Jr. He can no longer be redshirted. He's played in six games. He's done pretty well since fall camp. He was a guy coming into the season who, with the linebacker core, taking so many hits. Maybe someone who could make some plays. He has a total of nine tackles and a sack on the year. I expect him to be playing that Buddy Johnson role by the end of the game. Probably the entire second half, he's leading the team. We're going to see what he's like as a defensive leader, and we're going to see what he's going to be able to do as the future commander of the middle of Mike Elko's defense or whoever is running that defense because Elko, the way he's been coaching this year, could be up for a head coaching job sooner than we think. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Happy Halloween to everyone out there. Make sure you're following us on social media at Locked on Aggies, at Mr. Cole Thompson, at Aggies SI. Check out all of our great content at si.com slash T-A-M-U and listen to all of our fantastic podcasts at clockedonpodcast.com. Tomorrow's show, we will have a very special guest, Greg Luca from the San Antonio Express News will be joining us to preview A&M versus UTSA and we will give our predictions on the final score of this game, as well as the scores around the SEC. Because you know what? It's SEC football. You always want to know what's going on. But we'll see you same time tomorrow, knuckleheads. And remember, gig'em, y'all. This has been Locked on Aggies. Presented by the Locked on Podcast Network.